This show is designed to give general information related to investing in finance. Neither Aaron Katzman, his guests, nor the radio station are rendering legal, tax, or specific investment advice. If you need such advice, contact a licensed advisor. And welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We're here to speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. And as always, we're coming to you from the spiritual and soon-to-be financial capital of the world, Jerusalem. Israel. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, that's A-A-R-O-N, at Lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web, www.aaronkatzman.com. That's www.aaronkatzman.com, aaronkatzman.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to our brand new, and I mean brand new, YouTube channel as well at Aaron Katzman. So we've got a great show. It's a little bit different than we than we usually uh, speak about, but I think it's be really, really interesting for you. Um, it's going to be touching on nonprofits and how nonprofits are sort of navigating the world of COVID-19, of Corona. So it's my pleasure to bring on a good friend, J.J. Sussman, who is the International Director of Gesher, um, prior to joining Gesher, JJ worked in the Israeli high-tech sector at well-known firms like Jerusalem Global, SanDisk, Israel Seed Partners. We actually worked there together. M Systems and many other firms. JJ is a uh, New Yorker. What are you going to do? But he's been in Israel for 25 years, and he's married with six kids. Welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show, JJ Sussman. It's great to be here. I feel like hearing someone say, here's JJ. This is great to be here. <laughs> uh, so JJ, first of all, once again, thanks for coming on. I know it's been uh, uh, hectic, but you made a little bit of time in your schedule. Let me ask you the following question. What is Gesher? Tell us what is Gesher. Great question, Aaron. So first of all, the word Gesher obviously means bridge. And Gesher, for, uh, for 50 years now, has been working on uh, strengthening the connections between the different segments of the Jewish people and in Israel, obviously, of, of society here in Israel. So the secular, the religious, and over the last decade or so, including uh, the Haredi sector as well. So breaking down those barriers, shattering the stereotypes, and really bringing together the Jewish people. I think there's no, no time better than uh, the time that we're in right now, the three weeks between the most recent fast day we had, the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av coming up in just a couple of weeks, to talk about things which don't tear us apart, but rather which bring us together as one nation. Can you give us some examples of types of programming that you do which actually bring people together? Sure. So for years, we brought together, for example, uh, in a weekend seminar or religious and a secular school, we have an entire leadership institute which works with opinion shapers and influencers in Israeli society. We bring them together in groups of 15. These are mayors, director generals of ministries, senior journalists. And again, within that group of 15, there are Haredim, you know, ultra-Orthodox, there are uh, religious people, there are secular people. And we take them through a course where through the facilitated nature of these meetings, which include oftentimes even a trip outside of Israel, the barriers really go away. The walls start to fall. There's nothing like that personal interaction uh, that, that breaks down these barriers and recognize that we're all in this together and we're all living here together. And while we might not agree with one another, we certainly have to find a way to love one another and to live with one another. You know, obviously, uh, one of the biggest topics uh, that's out there right now, in the Jewish world at least, 
is Israel Diaspora Relations. Um, I know that you guys do stuff with that, right? You do, you, you mentioned even that you do these um, tours and you bring, you might bring journalists or whatever to uh, the US. Does it really work? It's a great question. I, I think if you would have looked at the Israeli, uh, any Israeli newscast three years ago, uh, the talk about the, the connection between Israel and its diaspora or Israel and, and world jury wouldn't have even been on the agenda. We've made it our business, like I said, over the last now probably five years, we've taken through the Gesher Leadership Institute over 350 influencers and opinion shapers. These are people who are anchoring the radio shows, uh, you know, television journalists uh, on a course, which includes a one week intense visit to a Jewish community outside of Israel. And let me be very clear though, our intention is to work on the Israelis and getting them to recognize that the Jewish people doesn't end at the border of Ben-Gurion Airport. There are seven, six or seven million Jews here, but there are another six or seven million Jews outside of Israel as well. And let's ask the questions. What are our responsibilities as the state of the Jewish people towards the rest of Jewry outside of Israel? Do we have a responsibility to them? Does our government need to feel responsible towards them? And these are questions that we argue about and discuss and, and recognize. And I think you would agree that over the last few years, the current Minister of Diaspora Affairs, actually, uh, Omar Yankalevich, uh, is a graduate of one of our uh, courses. Michal Biton, another minister in the government. Matan Kahana, who's a member of the Knesset. Plenty of mayors across Israel. Uh, Asaf Lieberman, who does the, the radio show at, on 10 a.m. every day on, uh, on Kanresh and Bet, Effie Trigger on Galei Tzal. So again, these are all very influential people who now have within their own mindset the idea to talk about the Jewish people, not just the Jewish people within Israel, but the Jewish people as a whole. So let's get into some modern current events, right? How has um, the coronavirus impacted you? But on the other hand, and I know from my own experience, sitting on some boards of nonprofits, we've been trying to sort of maneuver um, the situation and use it to, to our advantage or find an opportunity. So how have you been sort of dealing and, and, and looking for an opportunity during these times of corona? So, so first of all, uh, in a few ways, uh, but, but let me, before I get to that, even state that obviously the, the economic impact of the coronavirus has hit us as well. I mean, right away when it started, these trips that we used to do aren't happening. So the people involved in, in staffing those trips, unfortunately, and, and very painful because these are people who've been with us for a number of years, we have to furlough. Uh, and, and I think we're not the only organization that's going through challenging uh, financial times, but we are uh, as well. On the flip side, like you said, we very quickly huddled together to think about uh, some opportunities that the new, you know, what, what, I, what we're calling now Shigrona, Shigrat Corona, or the new way of living through this uh, coronavirus or COVID-19 uh, presented for us. And I would say that, let me, let me focus on two specific uh, programs that we launched really in the height of Corona. One was, uh, like I said to you, we, we brought schools together, or we brought youth groups together, or we brought leaders together. We've never had an opportunity to bring families together and to break down barriers from family to family. When Corona started, we said, why not let's try a pilot through Zoom, like we're speaking here right now, virtually. Let's pair a, an ultra-Orthodox family on Zoom together with the secular family with a Gesher facilitator in the middle, and, and let's see what happens. And it was incredible. The kids were participating right next to their parents, and, and one family, the, the Orthodox family, when we asked them a question, what's the most important thing in your house, they started bringing out the candlesticks that the mother lights every Friday night. The secular family brought up the picture of the grandmother who unfortunately had passed away as the most important thing. 
And they started asking questions. Can we spend a Shabbat at your house? Yes or no? And it's not just the 45-year-old, the 55-year-olds answering the questions, but you have these pure souls, these 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds talking to their peers of the other family. And, and this thing took off. We started getting requests from families, more and more families to participate in this. Sivan Rahav Meir even talked about it on one of her morning news broadcasts and showed some video of one of these interactions. One of the Matnasim in, uh, in Jerusalem even came to us to offer the program to their community because it was a community that was suffering from tension between two different sectors. Perhaps this would be an answer or you know, the medicine to the uh, ill that had befallen that community of the tension between the different sectors. That never would have happened in, in everyday life. But in the world of Corona, when we started getting creative, how we can do this virtually, people are using Zoom much more often, it happened and, and incredibly successful. So that, that's one example. Another example is, uh, is conferences. We're, uh, I would say, a somewhat humble organization. We're not the richest organization out there. Uh, so to put on a conference for us as a not-for-profit, you know, we never would have thought about it. Hundreds of thousands of shekel, you know, taking binyanei ha'uma, paying uh, hundreds of shekels for everybody's lunch for the day. It's prohibitively expensive. But right away we said, wait, what other opportunities does COVID present to us? Where we think of ourselves as a thought leader, I would say on three major issues. You mentioned Israel diaspora is one, Israeli society is another. And actually recently the interface between the Haredi population and general Israeli society has become one where we also have, uh, have, have served as a platform to try to deal with that interaction. And we said, let's take those three issues and create conferences uh, online and bring A-list speakers. All of a sudden it's a lot easier to bring a speaker because all he has to do or she has to do is free up a half hour to speak from their desk. They don't have to travel to Jerusalem and get up on stage and then travel back. So it's really, as they say, netto 30 minutes as opposed to a half a day. Yeah, people come in and out of the conferences, but so what? The, the content lives on afterwards as well. So we've done a series of conferences now that we've called Gesher to Tomorrow. The first one was in May on Israel diaspora relations. The second one was in June on Israeli society. And the third one was literally just a few days ago on the intersection between Haredi society and general Israeli society, which has become an incredibly uh, burning issue that we've seen here in the news, both in the first wave and now again, people are always looking for someone to blame. And unfortunately, that's when the stereotypes come, come out and, and we're seeing it across social media. You see these demonstrations that certainly some of the populations are complaining about uh, discriminatory uh, or even violent way of dealing with one type of demonstration versus another. And we're percolating all these issues to talk about them. We had Aryeh Derry speak at our conference uh, just a few days ago. We've had Yair Lapid at our conferences. We've had the Minister of Diaspora Affairs. But also, uh, one other issue, let me just bring up before you ask your next question, I think I'm, I'm talking too much. But the other advantage of these conferences is you can all of a sudden bring people not just from Israel. At the Israel Diaspora Conference, we had an incredible panel of three of the top rabbis in America talking about uh, what's going on in their communities. Remember, that was at the time when we here in Israel were much better off than the communities in America. We were trying to feed that sense of despair and of isolation into the Israeli society to give us a sense of you know, what we have to do to care about our brothers and sisters outside of Israel. Perhaps now we have to do the opposite because we're in a worse off situation than some states in, in America. Uh, that that's really, the question, maybe a little bit long-windedly. No, that's really cool. And I really love that I did the first thing you mentioned where you paired uh, the families, the secular and the religious uh, family together. I think that's really, really cool. 
it'll be actually really cool, I think, to actually see video from that. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, you are, this is the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. We're here to speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at Lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron, lighthousecapital.co.il. Or you can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. That's www.aaronkatzman.com. You can uh, find me on Twitter. You can find me on, um, you can find me also on YouTube um, with our YouTube channel at Aaron Katzman. Um, so we're all over social media um, as well. And as I said, we are back with JJ Sussman, uh, the International Director of Gesher. JJ, I was remiss. Can you please, first of all, tell people how they can uh, contact you? <laughs> sure. My email is jj at gesher.co.il. You can check us out if you're in Israel at gesher.co.il. Our English website is actually Gesher USA, all one word, G-E-S-H-E-R-U-S-A.org. Uh, and via those uh, medium, you can uh, you can feel free to get in touch. No, you were mentioning that uh, the advantages of having like a Zoom conference where every you know the, the speakers save so much time. Uh, one of my previous guests wasn't sure if it would be recorded or not, video wise. So he said, "Oh, do I have to wear a shirt?" So, so I guess that, that's pretty much the only. Uh... Wait, so let me tell you. Let me tell you another story. I'm just coming out of a uh, bidude of uh, quarantine with my seven-year-old son, uh -huh. and I was trying to work in the same room as as him. It wasn't so much when I was doing my work calls. He was pretty good, but he had a class meeting on Zoom, and all of a sudden he told me my my feet were in the middle of his frame, and I had to move my feet out of his frame. I was embarrassing him. So yeah, it creates some certain, uh, you know, definite um, challenges. I could hear that. I see that. You know, but getting back to the opportunities that this presents, I was fortunate enough to be part of. You guys put together this really cool. Um, half hour zoom meeting with the uh director i guess the the creator and the director of this hot new israeli uh drama called tehran that would be something that i personally never would have been able to experience if it wasn't for the current situation so you know no for sure and by the way donnie sirkin was director of tehran like you said tehran by the way is the first israeli show ever acquired by apple tv it was announced a few weeks ago so I don't know who's watching this, but uh, the U.S. audience still hasn't even uh, gotten onto it. We've watched now six episodes, and I find myself glued to my seat. It's an incredible show. Mm -hmm. Think Fauda. But he's an example of somebody who has tremendous impact on, on Israeli society and, and, frankly, even international on the international stage. And in Tehran, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there is some, some you know, uh, focus put on the Jewish community of Tehran also. And he, he mentioned specifically in that call that you were on, Part of that came from his participation in our course, recognizing, again, that we as Jews in Israel have a responsibility to learn about, to care about, and to love Jews outside of Israel as well. It's amazing. Um, getting back to one of the things you mentioned before, and that's sort of the challenging uh, nature right now uh, in terms of fundraising that all nonprofits are going through. How are you sort of trying to cope with, such, uh, with the situation? So it's hard. <laughs> I mean, let me start by saying it's hard. But, uh, but I, I would say that, you know, our, our income comes from three main sources. One is what we call participant fees. So for running programs, some of them 
uh, schools pay for or, or people who participate in the programs pay for. And then, so that, you know, depending on if we run a program, so we get paid for that. The other two sources of income, I would say, are the two more challenging ones. One is government income. So we get uh, some of our uh, work, for example, is with the Ministry of Education or with the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs. And that's affected, I would say, as a double win. One is uh, there hasn't been a government until the last month and a half for, for over a year. So the budgets haven't been secured. But two is, uh, as you see all these protests in Israel, you know, of the uh, atzmaim, of the uh, sole proprietors, what do we call them in English? Independent contractors, yeah. Been here 25 years of the Atzmaim, of, of the small businesses, of whatever the case may be. There's also the, the NGOs, the third sector, what we call here in Israel. Uh, and there was a promise or, or a statement given that they would get a total of 200 million shekel. And this was made already over a month ago. And uh, unfortunately, no NGO has received even one shekel wow. two months after that statement was made. So, so our ability to forecast and to plan based on that government income has been terribly hampered. And whether we get anything at all is still, I think, uh, up in the air. And then the third one, which is the most, um, you know, which is, which is also a big issue is philanthropy. We're funded by some fa big foundations, by some uh, family uh, families, by some individual donors. And in these three areas, each one of them has their own challenges. We're, we're lucky that we have some incredible foundations backing us. The William Davidson Foundation is a great example. And we don't take it for granted because they're based in, in Michigan and while they support Israel, the local needs in Michigan are also incredibly uh, real and significant now. So while we enjoy an incredible relationship, for example, with them or with some of our other foundation backers, we're, you know, we're aware that this is gonna be something that's with us for a long time. We're gonna have to maintain that and keep on running programs which are interest, of interest to those, kinds of, uh, to those kinds of funders. And then on the local philanthropists, I think, look, there was a period where uh, in the beginning where my interaction with our donors was really, hey, how you doing? Are you healthy? And those conversations didn't always go in the positive direction. I had, we have a donor in England who's in the hotel business. And not only did his entire business get sacked, he and his wife and his sister-in-law all tested positive for the wow. disease and, and their health wasn't great. Wow. On the flip side, you have, you have people who are doing well. And I think the challenge is to try to work with everybody, stay in touch with everybody and recognize that while they've been there for you over the years, if we can be there for them in any way and, and, and help them through this crazy time as well, hopefully in the long, it's a long game. And in the long run, hopefully all of this will, uh, will pan out for everybody, including, including for us. But, but we're also getting innovative. Uh, for example, in, uh, on July 27th and 28th, we're running a campaign uh, that, that's gonna be called Davka Akshav Mechazkim Et Like I said earlier, it, you know, it's at these times when a lot of these stereotypes come out. You see it here in Israel, with uh, how some people are referring to the Haredi community, how some people are, are talking so terribly and maybe justifiably or not, I don't know, against other people or against the government. And I think exactly now, specifically now, organizations like ours are so needed and so necessary. So it's paradoxically the time where the stuff that we do is needed the most, but we need the support of the people. And that's why we're gonna go on a, on a campaign on July 27th to 28th Specifically now, let's strengthen that bridge because if we don't have that camaraderie between one another, what do we have? The only thing that's taken us down as a nation over the years has been our internal strife. And we need to brush up on that and to make sure that while we can disagree, let's recognize that we're all part of one family and let's support ourselves. And, and the work that we do, I think, certainly helps towards that goal. Amazing. JJ, I, our, our, all the, the crowd, 
our crowd of fans want to know something. So when I introduced you, I said you have this rich background in you know the Israeli venture capital scene and the high tech scene, and you made a switch from that uh, into the nonprofit world. So how did that sort of work? And and do you sort of are you able to sort of draw on that experience in the in the the the, the new world that you're in? Oh, for sure, for sure. I, you mentioned it's funny. I started the question. You mentioned our crowd. So together we both worked with John Medved, who's probably the greatest promoter of Israel in our day. And uh, to his credit, I think uh, his Zionist spirit and his ability to, what I've learned from, from John and from many others in the, in the high-tech world, we worked then with Michael Eisenberg, with Neil Cohen, with Alan Fell, people have gone on to do incredible things even after Israel Seed, is that the ability to, to create relationships and to strengthen relationships and give people the opportunity to participate in what you're doing and to really feel a part of it, that's what's crucial. It's a long-term relationship that I gained working in the high-tech sector. I was in business development at SanDisk. And, and yeah, we can do deals here and there. And, and even there, people who I worked for, people like Daniel Schreiber, who, for whom I worked at, uh, at uh, SanDisk, uh, at M-Systems, and then at SanDisk, who today is the CEO of uh, the best-performing IPO of, uh, of, the, of the year, if not more than the year, of Lemonade. The ability to tell the correct narrative to form the correct relationships and to make those relationships real, I think is something which isn't specific to the high tech sector, but definitely serves me well in the work that we're doing right now. The work that we're doing right now is all about relationships. It's about making people realize that once you meet the other person, you have so much more in common than we have that divides us. And if we can, if we can recognize that, and it has to do not just with the, with the programs, it has to do with the funders as well, who want to be a part of it. Sometimes they're too busy to actually participate in the program, but they sometimes participate you know, in other ways, philanthropically or supporting in other ways. That is so crucial to our long-term success. And that's certainly something that helped me in my switch from the for-profit sector to the work that I'm doing right now. So yeah, and cool. our relationship, look <laughs> at that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, JJ, once again, how can people get a, uh, get a hold of you? So you should go to the website, geshare.co.il or gesherusa.org. My email is jj at gesher, G-E-S-H-E-R dot co.il, jj at gesher.co.il. And I'd love to hear from uh, everybody. And certainly if some of this content is interesting, I'd love to hear from you. You can certainly uh, go and look at some of the conferences we've recently done. They're on our Facebook pages or on our, our website, some of the summary videos or some of the panels or ask me for a specific panel. I'd be happy if any of you want to participate in our campaign to help support the work that we're doing that's going to take place on July 27th and 28th. And uh, like I said, these are the times where unfortunately we read about and learn about in our history. The only thing that's torn us apart has been our internal strife. And that's the only thing that's been able to take us down. Let's now invest in the stuff that bring us together as a people, as a nation, as a country, and frankly, as Jews. And that's the sort that, that I've dedicated my life to. And I hope that you all will join me in, uh, in this incredibly important mission. JJ Sussman, thank you so much for being on the big show. Aaron, thanks for the opportunity. And it's so great to be back in the saddle with somebody who started his radio career so long ago. <laughs> I got a few white hairs, I think, to prove it. Uh, Mine are <laughs> here now. Mine are here. This is the Aaron Katzman Show. We speak about your life, your money, and your investments. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me, 
And Aaron, that's A-A-R-O-N at Lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il. That's Aaron at lighthousecapital.co.il. You can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com. That's www.aaronkatzman.com. Check me out on Twitter. Feel free to subscribe to my brand new YouTube channel at Aaron Katzman. And until next time, we'll see you soon.